Hey guys, it's Katie and Mandy. Welcome to the Dirty Britches Minisode. Hey everybody, welcome to our Dirty Laundry mini-sode time. Mini-sode. This Yay. is literally Dirty Bridges episode because it's about pants. <laughs> it's about pants. The Literal soft, buttery, bridges. smooth leggings <laughs> from LuLaRoe. Had you heard about LuLaRoe? I oh, wait, you said you have, have a pair pants. of pants and I love them. Okay. I mean, the, here's the deal. It was I, as I was watching. We're going to just talk a little bit about this documentary we both just binged on Amazon, and we're definitely recommending people watch. So we're not going to get into the whole nitty gritty because that could be like a seven part episode about just yeah. all the ins and outs of like MLMs. And actually, I kind of do want us to look into MLMs as like a weird phenomenon of white lady. It's um, like the beach mm-hmm, wave white mm-hmm. lady, you know, like it what is. is going on with that. But yep. we just want to shout out this, like, basically, it's two girls just wanted to chat about something we just watched on Amazon that yep. connects with this general <laughs> podcast. Um, so we're jumping right in, but we'll put just, a link. It's on Amazon Prime if you want yes. to watch. It's about Lula Rowe. It's called Lula MLM Rich. MLM Company. Yeah, Lula Rich. Yep. Um, that sell That started by selling really great leggings, and then they well, fucked it all up. They did. <laughs> they got pretty greedy. I will say they actually started out. It started with her selling maxi, maxi dresses, which I didn't know yeah. uh-huh. because, okay, 2017, I had my daughter and I was in the mm-hmm. farmer's market in my neighborhood. And there was like a pop-up shop in the farmer's market, like a booth selling mm-hmm. these like brightly colored patterned outfits, whatever. And so, mm-hmm. you know, pre baby body, the idea of like buttery, soft stretch, one size fits all leggings sounded great. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, the patterns were like bright and fun, whatever. So I bought a few pairs. I happened to have some friends that all had a baby within like the same month of each other. So I just like bought, you know, leggings, like little care packages to send to my friends. And I have this pair. It was, and I went watching the documentary. I was trying to place my moment <laughs> like what mm-hmm. year I bought it with the rise of the company and kind of where they were at because then they mm-hmm. became kind of famous for having like the leggings falling apart and being really stinky and gross and it just goes into this whole the way that the business like exploded in popularity and then not even its fall you can't even say its fall because it's still around, yeah, it's, still around. it's still making mm-hmm. money but basically the way it was revealed to be on multiple levels, no pun intended, a multiple level marketing company and, and like defrauding different businesses it worked with. And just there's a gazillion lawsuits. And there was also, um, like full frontal with Samantha B and last week tonight with John Oliver ran segments about the, just the quality problems that they were having. Mm-hmm. Like the patterns got really bizarre and weird. Yeah. To say the <laughs> least. So probably most people have heard of these pants. Have you ever worn anything, bought anything? Yes. Yeah. I was trying to think if I still had them. I don't think so. Quite. I did a huge purge of my closet like a year and a half ish or more ago and got rid of a bunch of stuff that I just didn't wear enough. And they are like really brightly colored kind of crazy patterns for the most part. But I did, I was gifted several things. Um, a family uh, relation. I won't say directly who, <laughs> not an immediate family member, but outside of my immediate family was for a while. I don't know if they still are 
selling for them. Actually, I know two people in my oh, you know, outside like the media retailers, team, even retailers oh. who got involved in selling it. So, oh yeah. Okay. Oh, we yeah. have to do, we're it. definitely going to do an episode because I also have a family member who is involved in multi-level marketing mm-hmm. and it's been interesting to say the least. This is like mm-hmm. our personal dirty laundry that we can air at some point. I, it's just <laughs> intense. There's just like, I just, uh, why I wanted to talk about it for a mini-sode, and truly this mini-sode is going to stay very short because we really want everyone to watch this documentary. It's a four-part series directed by Jenner First and Julia Willoughby Nelson. They also, by the way, directed um, Fire Fraud about the Fire Festival. Did you watch that one? No, I didn't know that. Oh, no, didn't my God. That. If you want to watch a bunch of white people spend insane amounts of money and then get scammed, mm-hmm. it's great. Oh, wow. It's, it's okay. like this music festival that was being organized and then it was like clearly all the people involved were horribly unprepared and ended up like hyping it and it was like thousands and thousands of dollars to get a ticket and then people got there and it was like random tents in a parking lot with like no food i mean just like the most awful oh my gosh okay we just for sure are going to have to because (laughs) that just made me think of like two other white lady scam kind of like mlm sorts of things uh, so, yeah. yes, we're. I promise this there will be more forthcoming, but we wanted to shout this out because one of the talking heads in the documentary is a journalist. And I think her name is Jill uh, Filipovich, might be how you pronounce mm-hmm. it. I'm not sure how you say it because you just see it on the screen. Um, yep. She's a journalist and she provides a lot of context and clearly has done a lot of research into this specific business, but also like the sort of general approach. Um, and so she is like really doing a good job of naming the racialization of all of this too, because mm-hmm. it's a whole lot of white women and they, it's not all yeah. white women for sure. And they have a couple of retailers who are women of color, both who talk very specifically about that being something that made them stick out. Um, and at one yep. point, one woman is they have these like incentive cruises that retailers basically it, the, the way you make money is by recruiting people to sell under you. Yep. Most women did not make that much money from selling the clothes. They got it off of like the bonus checks coming from other people working below wild. them. Like when they talked about the actual amounts and they talk about their bonus checks being like 300,000 some dollars in a year. And then their it's sales being like 18,000. Yes. Yes. Like one. <laughs> Some of the bonus check people, they were making like forty or fifty thousand dollars a month in bonus checks, mm-hmm. which were mm-hmm. were the cuts from the people who worked under them. And it wasn't cuts from their sales for the longest time. Yeah. It was cuts it was from cuts from the inventory they were them buying. Buying the inventory from the company, which is part of what makes it a pyramid scheme. So anyway, mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. interesting. So the the woman says like she was a really successful retailer and got invited to these incentive cruises, but she's like, No offense, I'm not gonna be on a boat with a bunch of white people. <laughs> like I'm not doing it and i thought she was no. great um but jill Filipovich, this journalist says that the whole and this really it does start to feel really creepy and sinister as they start talking about who they targeted to become these retailers and that it's mm-hmm. primarily um women well for sure women primarily who were working moms or stay-at-home moms like moms who needed extra money and then mm-hmm. there is this like christian bent i i will note this because I like you come from this <laughs> background, but they're Mormon, they're LDS mm-hmm. and 
there's very much like that is an element of their business as well. Mm-hmm. And very encouraging of women to be deferential to their husbands and to get their husbands involved so that they don't feel bad about having their wives make more money than them. And like oh this gosh. whole, I think at one point they mentioned that they like give out the pamphlet, the proper care and feeding of husbands. <laughs> like they're like giving marriage therapy counseling <laughs> so from the 1800s to their consultants and their retailers. It's crazy. Well, it's bonkers. It's bonkers. So they, yeah. so this journalist is naming like a lot of this, like, yes. And that even some of the former retailers that they have who are willing to speak out and were very, very, very successful within the company who speak out against their time there and, you know, don't think that any of this is good. You know, they, they talk about the, the team building and like all of this advice giving and the way that they felt like they were really expected to look a certain way, wear their hair a certain way. Like it is very, um, a lot of this is very coded for in terms of like even weight loss and hair styles. And anyway, so this journalist says they tell women you can be a mom first and then you can do this side hustle. But the feminine vision of the stay at home mom is a very white vision the underlying understanding of white womanhood and a vision of white family, what they are catering to and making aspirational is a racially coded vision. And they didn't get into it more than Mm -hmm. that. And then the women who were women of color who were retailers talked about it. None of the white women seemed to mention it. I don't think Do you remember that. Mm -hmm. I don't Um, think so. But I thought that was super fascinating and kind of named what you can't help but notice as it's all playing out is it is this like untapped. What she talks about is that this was when LuLaRoe became in super popular, that it was this perfect storm of this social media taking mm-hmm. off the great recession, me- meaning that families were in kind of dire financial straits and that you also had athleisure becoming more popular just in terms of fashion. And then this mm-hmm. is the largest population of formally educated women who were staying at home with their kids who were like intellectually frustrated, entrepreneurially frustrated. Um, But to name it specifically white was great. Yeah. And that's, that's also specifically part of Mormon culture because there is definitely a push for women to get higher education in Mormonism, Mm -hmm. but then to stay home. And so these are women that like have college degrees and have skill sets and are looking for, an outlet for that, for sure. in that one, I do remember there was another woman who did say, cause she was one that left that there was a point where she looked at the picture oh, of yeah. all of them <laughs> and noticed they were all in the same clothing. Their hair was all done the same way. They are all like very white, white. And it was that moment of realization, realization where she was like, Oh shit, I'm in a cult. <laughs> yeah. She cracked me up. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And you know, I, I, that circles back to our very first season where we were talking about the anti-suffrage movement and the women who were publicly advocating for women not to have a public role and that many mm-hmm. of them were formally educated and just felt like, yeah, that your job is to get educated so you can be a really good mom and educate. Yeah, a lot kids. of them like organized schools, like came up with colleges and like formal, you know, educational systems. They were very into it, but it was also like, do it to stay at home and be a better mom. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what I will say. It struck me as this really kind of scary 
acknowledgement that there is this untapped, like everyone talked about this, whether it was, um, what were their names? Deanne and Mark um, Stidham are the Stidman, founders, Stidham, Stidham. something yeah. like that, um, that they, they would talk about it, but also the critics of Louis Rowe talked about it. Everyone agreed that there's this untapped power, like an un- underutilized, underrecognized power of this particular group of women, which I totally agreed with. And it actually kind of yep. creeped me out because I was like, yeah, I'm thinking of Daughters of the Confederacy, the book that we read that was all about these mm-hmm. women who had, you know, a channeling their skills and resources into trying to shape the education of little kids. And I, I look at that now like, yeah, this is a group that potentially could be an incredible force to be in solidarity with and rally around issues of justice. And they're, you know, the journalist Jill Filipovich says that these, this is a very politically savvy, very connected group of women motivated mm-hmm. to like make an impact, you know? And so yep. not channeled to good <laughs> places or to worthwhile <laughs> ends. It ends up in like them getting sucked into MLMs and yep. just, I don't, I, ugh, it just made me really want to think more about how to why, channel this in like a yeah, better way. <laughs> yes. Like I was thinking about all, all sorts of things that, that I think this demographic is maybe ripe for getting um, sucked into. And I don't, yeah, I, I don't want to say like, oh, these women aren't smart or they're not thought. like, yes. And some of them I think have politics that very much align with this, but I know lots of them yeah. don't, but it's how people get sucked into QAnon or how people get, it's like, you want to feel connected to people. You want to feel like you're a part of something. You want to feel like you're doing something, but you also don't want to give up this time with your kids or you have, I don't know, like a million different reasons why people are in those situations. Um, but it, it does definitely feel like, again, to this journalist's point that it's this very specific understanding of white womanhood through a narrow lens and a very narrow vision of a white family with like the June Cleaver stay at home mom kind of thing. And also a very white capitalist vision of what success and families should look like in general. It's yeah. Oh man, you got to watch it. Like I I just sat there and like watch it's only four episodes. It's not super long. Believe me, you can finish it in an afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) I stayed up really late. I'm super tired because I was just like, I can't stop watching this. Um, yeah, the capitalism is, is really gross. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just like unabashed profit, like at yeah. whatever cost to make money to con- and to make money in order to consume luxury goods. Like that's, yeah. that's a hundred percent what they're selling. Like have this lifestyle where you look good, you drive a fancy car, you have a fancy house. What it's just, all of it is uh, from yeah. tip to top. It's mm-hmm. pretty gross, but it's worth mm-hmm. watching. So this is just a short yeah. little, <laughs> I promise we're not getting paid. It's like a commercial for this documentary, but it was really interesting. So <laughs> no, we we could get sued. In fact, <laughs> <laughs> probably we're just oh, we're just promoting it. Watch the documentary. It's super super interesting. And if you do have any sort of um, history of individual or family involvement in MLMs, oh, you will just get sucked in. It strikes more a chord for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, let's mm-hmm. let's promise. I know we've got like in a future season, it it will make more sense. But I. There is just something that's very white woman about mm-hmm. these schemes. Yep. For so sure. We'll get into it. Well, we will. Yay. All right. 
Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Bye.